Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello and welcome to Podcast Like It's 1999, the podcast where we talk about the films of 99 bursting through a confessional booth here in <laughs> 2018. I'm one of your hosts, Kenny Nybart. And I'm Phyllis Gove. And today we have with us two writers from Station 19. Indeed. Molly Green, James Leffler. Um, they also are a writing team. writing team. So they get the ampersand. They do. And they also wrote and directed a movie called For. Brev. Correct. Um, and we're very happy that you guys joined yeah. us for this wonderful movie. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, it is an honor to talk about Superstar. <laughs> Superstar. I will say when when we were talking in the room about the podcast, which does come up relatively often, and Molly And no one mocks you? No one mocks me for That's that. So That's weird. maybe the only thing they don't mock me for. <laughs> um, but uh, I didn't mean it like that. I just mean no, in, I in other rooms, I I'd... hypothetically, a bunch of other writers may mock you for your podcast. This is true. I yes. think because the podcast, I like to think, is uh, accessible and everyone can find a movie in 99 that they like. Molly really liked Superstar. Yeah. So it it was sort of, it wasn't really a question. It felt like that was the that was the movie you were like, yeah, well, you, were, yeah, you superstar. ran through the list, and I was like, nobody's claimed Superstar? And you were like, literally no one has no. even expressed interest. And yeah. I was like, oh, well, this is yeah. the one. This is it. And it also felt, you know, and you were like, we should have James on, too, who had not seen the film. Right. So the fresh eyes of that perspective. Kenny and I have also not seen Molly's the only one in this room. Although, have you seen Superstar? Uh, 20 years ago. Okay, so yes. Rob, our producer, has also seen Superstar. So right. Rob and Molly have seen it. We had not seen it up until this point. Um, so 
I was just really excited that you were as excited as you were about Superstar. I mean, I was excited in the way that I knew it would be one of those movies that I would turn it on and I would know every line <laughs> before the characters spoke it. But I wasn't sure if I would like it now. Like, I, right. I owned it on VHS. I know I watched it a zillion times, but I had not seen it as an adult. And now I have watched <laughs> it twice as an adult. Oh, Let's yeah. cut to the chase. You do still like it? I do. Yeah. I, not as much. <laughs> well, you know, it's, that's, that's what you just said has seemed to happen a lot with people who've come on the show and said, I loved this movie when I was younger. I didn't know if I was going to hold it up, if it was going to hold up. Yep. And not only has it held up, like I still love it. And some people like love these movies even more. Even more. Um, and I don't it's a testament I, it doesn't film. sound like that's where you're coming down, but I think I have a lot more context for the movie now, having seen where Molly Shannon's career went. I think I have like a different understanding of it now that I than I did when I watched it then. Um, but that said, I don't think anyone can make a case that this is a great film. I think I might be able to make that case. (laughs) (laughs) I look forward to you making that case, James. Um, So let's uh, do a little biographical. So where were you guys in 99, Molly? Where were you? Or James, where were you in 99? I was in Austin, Texas. I was in seventh grade at Lamar Middle School. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I was a dirtbag skateboarder. (laughs) (laughs) Not to digress. Have you seen the Dirtbag Skateboard movie that's out in the theaters? Mid-90s? Yes. I did, yeah. I have also. What did you think of that Dirtbag Skateboard movie? It hit my nostalgia bone in this really weird place. There were so many scenes that I thought were made just for me. Interesting. Yeah. But that's, as a as yeah. a whole, well, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But that's it. I think I, that, that was kind of the goal. So if it did that. I mean, it feels like, again, I've not seen mid-90s, and I can only speak to what articles I've read about it or the trailer that I saw, but it does feel like that was Jonah's sort of modus operandi, which is like, I just want to put you back in that headspace. Um and if it was successful in that, then I guess that's something. But it feels like there are people that longed for it to be about more than that. Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't love the movie, but I also didn't live that life. Right. So there's something to that. That's interesting. So did you feel like it was a a fair representation of dirtbag skateboarders from the '90s? I think so. I mean, they were a little bit more of dirtbags than I was, but there were <laughs> <laughs> but there were parts. There's a scene where um, he goes into the skate shop to get his first real deck. Uh-huh. And um, the guy is who's his hero is putting grip tape on the board, and it's just this like one long take of someone putting grip tech grip tape on a deck. And I remember that feeling being fucking magical. Really? Yeah, yeah. that's cool. That's I mean that's cool. That's, that's something. something. Yeah, I can't. I can't. I mean, I, I haven't seen the film. That's a that's a screener movie for me. I'm not. I'm not paying money to see. Uh, I don't know if they're sending. I don't know if they're sending that one. Uh, oh Molly, wow, they will. Bali, where were you? <laughs> I was uh, 14 years old, and I was in suburban New Orleans, Louisiana, and um, I was watching every episode of Saturday Night Live. <laughs> Live nice. Every week. Really? I was a real big dork, and I had just gotten- I don't think it makes you a dork. I'm just surprised that well, you were such a, you were such a fan. Okay. Non sequitur. Yeah, yeah. But you were just a, a, such a big fan of, uh, of SNL, which I didn't know. I was, yeah. I, I don't know. I think I felt like at the time that it was very cosmopolitan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was from New York. Yeah. Which it kind of was. was. In a way, in a way, you know. But um, yeah. I that's true. How so you, what what cast are we talking about at that point? This is the this is the Dana Carvey, no. Mike Myers that's post that. This is post that. So this is 
We're talking Will Ferrell, yeah, okay. Sherry O'Terry. Amy Poehler. No, not mm. – well, maybe on the on the cusp. Tell I think it. Jimmy Fallon was on the show at this point. So I think you're – Right around 94, the guys you're talking about. It started – Everybody but Spade. Yeah. And uh, everyone but Spade and Tim Meadows left. Okay. And um, all this new class came in. So but the Will Ferrells, the Molly Shannons, the- Molly Shannon's an interesting case though, because I believe she was a featured player right at that cut. That may be true. And she was one of the few who was left standing and got bumped up. So she was like right before Will Ferrell. Mm-hmm. Um, so she wasn't really in that class, but you know, I think we see her as part of that class. She yeah. sort of survived this weird apocalypse of SNL. That's interesting. Which, it just felt like everyone left. Like one year yeah. you came back and you're like, wait, wait, where are all the guys I love? And then it's, who's this Will Ferrell guy? Horatio so, Sands, Jimmy mm-hmm. Fallon. So that whole crew, and by that crew we're talking Mike Myers, Phil Hartman, those Dana guys are, Carvey. Those guys are early 90s, right? Yeah, those guys are, yes. I, I don't know if they all kind of left in this big purge you're talking about, but yes, they were all gone. I think, them. yeah, they left slightly before, and the purge was like they got rid of like Sarah Silverman. But I think yeah, Sandler was yeah. in that purge too. Yeah, it's something yeah. like, yeah. Okay. Also, Jay Moore, great tragedy of SNL <laughs> history. Yeah. <laughs> Jay Moore. Yeah, we talked about Jay Moore on Go. That's right. Yeah, that oh, was man, so good. Nineteen ninety nine superstar. Uh, yeah, good, good first act. Yeah, great uh, first act. How did you guys meet? We uh, met. Um, we were in film school, undergrad at the University of Texas. And oh, cool. We were in line to see a movie. What yeah. movie? Uh, it was one of our professor's movies, and okay. uh, it was like a South by Southwest screening. And, Obligation. Yeah, and so we were obligated as students, so we were in, in this long line, and we were all talking about the projects we were making in school, and I was talking about my project, and James told me that the title that I had for it was very stupid and suggested a new one, and I did not listen, and, <laughs> and he was probably mistake. right. Yeah. yeah. What was the title? Well... I mean, now you have to I didn't us. write the project, so okay. but uh, the title that it was given by the writer was Speak Now or Forever Hold Your Peace. And I said, too long. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot yeah. it's wordy. Mm-hmm. Speak now is what I said. And Molly said, never. And then years later, Taylor Swift said, I was yeah. going to say, I was going to say, Taylor Swift stole your idea. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. it's yeah. been proven that that was a better title. <laughs> <laughs> Scientifically, we have the data. <laughs> so what other films in 99 would you say jumped out at you? You know, in 99, movies that you, that you maybe that made an impression, short of Superstar, which clearly made an impression on you, Molly. I mean, I would say Virgin Suicides. I know, I know there's a technicality involved yes, with Virgin is. Suicides that- But Alice and Echo wasn't thrilled with. But I think Virgin Suicides is probably the, what the movie. What was she thrilled with? No, she, she was just like, she thought it was in 99. She was just surprised that it- Oh, really the came year up. thing? Yeah. Who cares? She, no, she wasn't upset. <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this yeah, movie, so, is, this is this podcast is podcast like it's 1999 or within three or four months. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just too long a title. So I mean, Lebron Laurent just like ran through our awards, which yeah. was not a 99 movie. I know, like kind of, yeah. you know, only in America. So Virgin Suicides, Virgin Suicides, and um, just because you just said it, go. I would say. For oh sure. wow! Okay, yeah. all right. Very Kenny, Kenny loved Go so much until I rewatched it. But what did oh, you do really? when you saw Go in the theater? Oh, when I saw Go, very famously, famously. Turned right around, saw it again. Went and bought a second, nice. bought a second ticket and saw it. Loved it time. so much. I left the theater, bought a second ticket, walked right back in. Ne- have you ever done that since? I've never done that in my no, life. No, 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 no. I mean, never, that's that's. I, I, I no. <laughs> I've never, I've never done it. I never. Could, I, I love that movie so much. I couldn't believe it existed. Yeah. Well, it's a but, real screenwriters movie. It is. Yeah, it it's, is. It's very much being like, look at look at what we're doing. Yeah, yeah. James. Um, Boogie Nights is one for me, which I know you guys. That's ninety eight. Oh well, then 
I'm fucked. <laughs> don't let him push Magnolia. you around. Magnolia. Don't Magnolia let him push is 99. You around. It's not 98. Fine. It's 97. Oh, All right. This guy's talking. Oh, yeah, you're right. It is. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. Look at him. Look what at was, him. What was in 99? <laughs> Magnolia what, was What movies were in 99? Were there any good ones? Uh, You're the biggest fan of The Bone Collector. I'm a big Bone Collector Mr. guy. I do, um, haven't seen that. I do like oh, The Bone Jesus, Collector. Oh, Jesus. Tia's... I mean. <laughs> um, any Given Sunday, which is the best film of 1999 thus far. As far as Eyes Wide Shut, um, Election. Uh, this was a real dry year for me, guys. I was just like... Really? Trying to avoid smoking weed in creeks. And stuff. Trying to avoid Fight Club? I, yeah. Fight Club? Matrix. Fight Club's fine. The Mummy. Matrix is also fine. The Mummy's pretty great. Yeah. Mm. Brandon uh, Frazier. Uh, three Kings. Flash oh, of the Three past. Kings was actually... Flash the past. Yeah. <laughs> Dudley oh, Do-Right. Dudley Do-Right. That's right. Uh, uh, Brandon Frazier. Chill Factor. Was the film Evolution from 19... No. Unfortunately oh, man. Not. That was like from 2009. Yeah. You talking no. about the Mike Judge movie? No, no, no. He's talking about the, the Ivan Reitman movie with David Orlando Duchovny. Jones yeah. and David Duchovny. And Julianne Moore, where the aliens are We're involved. not talking about the same movie? Mike no. Judge didn't write that movie? No, he wrote, I don't know, what. I don't think so. Oh, he wrote another movie with a smiley face. Um, let's, uh, let's get into Superstar. this movie. Yeah, so I'm going to give a synopsis. Uh, orphaned after the death of her parents and raised by her strict grandmother, awkward Roman Catholic high school student Mary Catherine Gallagher, played by Molly Shannon, dreams about dating popular student Sky Corrigan, played by Will Ferrell, and becoming a star. To achieve both goals, Mary enters a talent contest where her competitor is Sky's girlfriend, Evian Graham, played by Elaine Hendricks. Despite her grandmother's opposition, Mary prepares to win both the contest and Sky's affection. That is not the premise of the movie. <laughs> Okay. The premise of the movie is very simply Molly Shannon wants an incredible kiss. That's true. I she wants to make with out with somebody. The, All the yeah. other stuff is just set dressing. That's that's, no. actually, that's that's very that's fair. That's why this movie hooked me. It got rid of all the bullshit, and it's I want an incredible screen kiss. Yeah, and then then they go from there. She doesn't want to date Sky. She doesn't give two shits about Sky Corrigan. She wants a great kiss. Yeah. So yeah, uh, superstar opened. On October 8th, 1999, in fifth place behind Random Hearts, everyone's favorite movie. I'm looking forward to that one. I know you are. Uh, with $8.9 million, and we go on to make $30 million on, and Molly and I are getting conflicted numbers on this budget, because on Box, Box Office Mojo, it says it was a $34 million budget, which seems high. Very high. That feels very unrealistic <laughs> for this movie. <laughs> so, I don't know if that's true. Molly saw numbers of like $14 million or something yeah, like I that. Think I, I saw on Wikipedia 14, which feels more accurate It feels to more me. accurate and would make yeah. this film successful. I mean, it thirty million for this film. I mean, thirty-four million is insane. I don't believe it. Feels like we're going to go with the fourteen million dollar number. Yeah, because thirty-four seems insane. Like, to what me. did they do? Pay Tom Green twenty million dollars to be in this Tom, movie. Tom Green, man, <laughs> who really, <laughs> really chewing the scenery in oh. his scenes. I love Tom Green. I, I liked him too. Uh, we, yeah, when we when we have Tia, one of the writers from uh, Station Nineteen, on here, she will talk talk to you about her love of Freddie Got Fingered. Uh, Maybe it, one of her favorite films. That's not a 99 film. It's not a 99 film. But maybe either. we just throw it in as a bonus. It's a brilliant movie. At some point today, I want to talk <laughs> about specifically Tom Green in Superstar. Because yeah, I no, think, we will. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because he's doing something weird in this movie. He's exposed for the fraud he is. He kind of is. It's like, oh, you only have one thing. You guys are crazy. <laughs> We can talk about it now. You want to talk has about Tom Green now? Has anybody seen Freddy Got Fingered? Yeah. yeah. No. I'm team Tom Green here. And not just because we may be related. 
But no, oh, I don't know. I but, uh, maybe. Maybe. We don't know. <laughs> um, but, you know, like in this movie, he's doing sort of a heightened Tom Green thing, and he's doing it in a way that's not likable. Yeah. <laughs> he's making fun of that character, yeah. just like they all are. But he's then too- he makes him likable. Like his career becomes about making that character likable. His career? He's yeah. Not, what else did he do? Well, he's in Charlie's Angels. Well, Where, when he was was he married to Drew Barrymore or were yeah. they engaged? Yes, he was married. Yeah. He Tom Green had a very weird thing happen. He became Tom, a thing. No, he got testicular cancer. So, like, well, he yeah. had this really weird thing where nothing mattered, where everything was bullshit, where he puts oh. poop on the end of a microphone and sticks it in people's face. And then all of a sudden, this really very serious thing happened to him. And every, and he, I to his great credit, took it very seriously, started a um Started a charity. I didn't know any of this. I knew he got to secret cancer. I, I mean, no he made it as a joke. It was Tom Green's ball cancer charity, but he was very serious <laughs> about it. Sure. And and he was like, this isn't a joke. This isn't a bit. I have testicular cancer. Everyone should get checked. And that happened before the Charlie's Angels thing, I think. And it kind of started to be mm. like, he can't really fuck around anymore. Like, and, and, and it kind of killed his career in a weird way, but, but. That's what he did before that Tom Green show was brilliant. Freddie yeah. got fingered is the biggest, like, Fuck you to anybody who expects like to go to a movie and be calm and comfortable and and which and, is why I think Tia loves it. Yeah, <laughs> just, that's, why just, lo- <laughs> that's why I love it too. <laughs> so yeah, there you go. if you assume intent, if you assume intent, which you, you should, should do, which I I don't think he was. I don't. Tom Green's just a weird animal to me, and this film I didn't know he was in it, and it certainly feels like it's one of the first instances or one of his first roles. So it just it, he kind of stuck out a little bit in this film. I guess is what I was getting at. I just love him. Yeah. Wait, I'm just remembering now. Did he do a bit where he goes and buys a suit to wear at his own funeral? Was that <laughs> well, a thing? Probably. I feel like I remember watching this that he, when he had cancer, he goes to it like a tailor or something oh, and is so like, good. this is for yeah. me to wear my, and he brings his mom, I believe, makes everyone super uncomfortable about it. <laughs> now I'm going to have to go home and watch that. No, I, I don't like, think I made it up. If he does, um, you guys like Nathan Fielder? Yeah. yeah, yeah, love him. It's very, it's a very similar kind of brand of comedy. I think Nathan's amazing. He, but his, I find that Nathan actually makes me more uncomfortable than than Tom Green does. Because, you should watch more Tom Green. Okay, because it was it's a similar thing. Well, I think it's that I think that Tom Green is so aggressive in his in like he's just he's in yeah. your face that on some level that's almost like a, a, a there's a level of protection involved in the sort of performative element whereas nathan is plays it so straight and and grounded and real i i feel so uncomfortable for the people interacting with him because they have no idea what's real and what's not in a colbert kind of way in a yes yeah i used used to have a hard time watching colbert rapport right because of that right because you're just like uh these people they don't know what to do with this yes and that makes me uncomfortable tom green it's generally easier to sort of swat him away he is so in your face you know yes. super yeah. Yeah. pouring salad on his face it's so good <laughs> does he just say salad face salad face salad face that's it we finished this argument right he's brilliant salad face is brilliant yeah kind of <laughs> but here's what I will say this movie not embraced by critics or people it seemed in, in 99 it wouldn't be of its time. Yeah. It kind of, it, truth, I know that it's, but it sort of was. Like, this is a movie that, I mean, 32% on Rotten Tomatoes. Critics didn't love this movie. Lame. But I think that it, it is a movie that I imagine, first of all, it, it won me over. When it started, I was like, I don't really know 
what to make of this. And then I found myself actually really won over by it. And I do wonder if it is a little bit of ahead of its time. There's also a little bit, and, and Molly and James and I talked a little bit about this um, at work, but the kids in the hall element of it, the Bruce McCullough, Mark McKinney vibe. I'm a fan of kids in the hall. I don't know if anybody else here is. It doesn't seem. I am. Okay. Uh, they're very, very weird. There's something very sort of, surreal and strange and and off-putting sometimes about what they do and which is why he is the right person to direct this film like i you were telling me about how molly was very aggressive in her um trying yeah. to get him to, to direct it i read that i guess she was on set of um never been kissed with drew barrymore and she was talking about how she wanted him to direct the movie and and he had said no he wasn't interested and drew barrymore was like romantic comedy style like chase him down <laughs> If he's your director, you'll know. And mm-hmm. she like went to an airport and like jumped amazing. on the plane as you could only it's do amazing. in 1999. Mm-hmm. She's so cool. Stopped the plane. Yeah, that's great. So, yeah. And yes, okay. I want to make a point on your kids in the hall point. Mm-hmm. There's to me, there's one glaring weakness, weak weakness in this movie. I don't know if you guys agree. It's Will Ferrell, and the reason I think Will Ferrell is so really. He I, I, terrible is not the right word. He's just misplaced. He's doing the wrong thing. Is because of the kids of the hall, kids in the hall ness of it all. The kids in the hall, kids in the hall sketches work because they are completely straight faced mm-hmm. because they play them completely mm-hmm. seriously. Um, these outlandish, outlandish premises done by some of the most normal, average looking guys taking them seriously, like Dave Foley, Bruce McCullough, like all these Mark McKinney. Okay. Um, They're committed to it on a. On a Will level. Ferrell is taking the piss out of this. He's not taking it seriously. He's making his own ridiculous jokes about it. Molly Shannon is taking it completely seriously. Yeah, he's making his own ridiculous jokes on top of these very straight jokes that are very funny to me. Mm. And whenever he was on screen, um, I I was not enjoying it. I give the movie credit for recognizing that and having um, what's the dude's name. Oh, uh, Slater, Harlan Williams, Williams. be the, you know, be, be the, the one true love. And I think that was really cool and unexpected and fun. But, uh, but I do think that I do think if, if I were remaking this movie, I'd never would have cast Will Ferrell. I would, I would have cast a serious actor. Mm -hmm. Um, like a today would be like a Chris Evans would just fucking kill that role. and It would be fun. (laughs) But I, 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 I don't disagree with you i certainly think he could have been pulled back i think he's he's definitely he's dialed just the wrong up. guy he's just dialed up too much but but i also really loved some of this like i loved his jesus like i, I didn't I, I don't know it worked for me i thought <laughs> I, I i mean you didn't like I, the line i'm good i'm god <laughs> no i i like i i didn't want his thing like right. all over this movie. I wanted her thing all over this movie. But you don't I think, think it the gives you belongs in this the, movie. I, mean, <laughs> <laughs> I think the alternative case is that you can watch this movie on two levels now, you know, like I was, I had it on and my husband walked in and he was like laughing at the stupid, you know, dance move jokes. He's like, Oh, so great. Nineties. Ha ha ha. And like walked out. And it was like, you know, works in a little small chunk like that. Yeah. But then, you know, you can also watch the movie on the level that I think we all watched it which is like as a fan of film and as a fan of writing and be like, oh, there's something more to it. Mm-hmm. So this Will Ferrell is probably the reason why it made $30 million at the box be. office. I, I mean, I, I yeah. It, well, it's, it, was, it was before he was a thing, though. So he wasn't. It was, it was right around the time. I mean, he's, he's in Dick with Bruce McCullough. 
where um, they play Woodward and Bernstein. I mean, he he really wasn't a thing, in my opinion, until old school. Yeah. So before the hour draw, really, is what I'm trying to get at. Uh, she was the draw, if anything. This character was a draw. And frankly, this character on SNL is not that interesting to me. And it was in whenever they went back to her greatest hits that I was kind of not into it. Like, mm-hmm. I do think she's amazing. It's so funny that she's willing to do those ridiculous chair jokes or the ridiculous busting through jokes. Like, she's a, she's so committed to this. She it's really awesome. Is. But, like, there's a character here. And it's very unexpected, The what they're getting at in terms of um, self-hate. Yeah. And yeah. um and kind of the the questioning your own identity and questioning your place and what you deserve and uh like kind of this weird it's a weird thing to say, but there's Deuce Bigelow did the same thing, this weird hierarchy of sex over love. That was yeah. a thing back mm-hmm. then, this idea that the kiss is the most important thing, yeah. not actually finding the person, which like this movie nails because she wants up with Harlan Williams. Yeah. But and it's like when I do love the moment when she kisses Sky and she's like, it's not that great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's, it's so good. It's, it's pretty fantastic. You know what she should have said? It would have been better if you committed to the bit a little more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He does. I, I, I have to agree with you that there is a, there is something sort of, and this is too harsh a word, but there is something cowardly, if you will, about the way Will performs this movie yes. as opposed to the courage it takes that essentially everybody else around him, especially Molly, especially Molly Shannon. He's just in an SNL sketch in his mind, you know? I think you guys are putting it too much on Will Ferrell because there's a lot of different stuff going on in this movie. And That's true, not, too. Fair. Don't blame Sky Corrigan. <laughs> <laughs> it's not all on Sky Corrigan. Yeah, blame Evian, too. Yeah, you know? she's also pretty broad. Yeah. Uh, I like her. But she, I mean, I just to be clear, I didn't dislike Will Ferrell in this film. I like Will Ferrell in general. I think that you're right when you say that it wasn't, his ascension had not really fully happened at the point of this film. I mean, I think that, I think Zoolander might be the first step. Yeah, that's towards true too. About that. And then, and then it's old school and what have you. But um, I, I mean, I, I think Will Ferrell's a funny guy. So like, it's not, I'm not not laughing at him when he's on the screen, but I do to your point fear that the, the chemistry, and I mean that sort of on a literal in terms of those performances are two very different performances and they're coming at them from different angles. So I don't know that they're necessarily complimentary, I guess is what I'm getting at. When, when, when sky and, and Mary are on screen together, he's kind of so much bigger. Than uh, her. I'll, I'll make this last point then, then shut up about this or really see the mic. But I think this is a good movie. Like to be clear, like I think this yeah. is a good movie and I think there's some really interesting ideas and I think it's funny. I think he's holding it back from being drop dead gorgeous level uh, brilliant. And I think if you had someone in that role who understood what the movie, I'm not saying he didn't under, he doesn't understand what the movie's doing. I don't think he cared what the movie was doing. That's interesting. Um, I think he just wanted to, to be in an SNL sketch and, and, and put his own thing on it. But if someone committed to the role, the way everybody in drop dead gorgeous commits to those roles, commits to that movie, we may be talking about this movie the way we talk about, or the way we, we talked about that movie. Yeah, Not I agree with that. I, I, I think it's worth. I'm, I'm going to read a portion of uh, Roger Ebert's review, his one star review of this film, <laughs> because I think it's important first of all to see how he first of all completely misread the film, but also the the critics' perception of a film like this in 1999. I think if this film was released today, I think it would be. I think it would be embraced in a different way. Totally. Um, 
Ebert said, here is a portrait of a character so sad and hapless, so hard to like, so impossible to empathize with, that watching it feels like an act of unkindness. There's also another problem. Mary Catherine isn't simply an unpopular girl. She's creepy and not very nice. She's one of those people who inspires in you the inexplicable desire to be hateful and cruel. You don't meet people like that very often, but when you do, you know who they are, and you want to get away from them before you do something that would undermine your self-image as a nice person. So you guys said before we started recording this that it was okay to use curse words. Please, yeah. yeah. Game. I think Roger Ebert can go fuck himself. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously. But I, honestly, yeah, he can. Like, like, that's, that's such a fucking, that is, that is a cruel review. Every third fucking episode of this show, <laughs> we have an Ebert review where we're yeah. like, I think Robert, Roger Ebert can go fuck himself. <laughs> because he, it's always, the, it's always in this misogynist vein. It always mm. is. It's always, part of this also feels a little bit like, an old white guy who doesn't understand a a strong female comedian who is just committed to something. Like, it's just, this feels a lot like women aren't that funny and I don't get this. So fuck this. It makes me think about another line from another 1999 movie that you have mm-hmm. discussed, um, which is obviously Roger Ebert. You've never been a 13 year old girl. <laughs> Yes. Like, yes. you know, like yes. this is, this movie really yes. speaks to that well in a way that is very different from what Virgin Suicides is doing, but he so doesn't get it. It's incredible. Yeah. I want to, I want to build And yet he that. highlights that line in his review. Sorry to cut you off, but that's an amazing thing that he has the perception of himself to be able to see it in Virgin Suicides, but not in this. Sorry. I want to build on that point. Um, the idea that Roger, you've never been a 13 year old girl. <laughs> Which we uh, don't know for sure. That's, <laughs> that's fair. Uh, I've never been a 13 year old girl. Neither have I. I've also never been black. I've never been Asian. I've never lived in a different country. I've never, I've never done so many things that I go to the movies to understand what that life experience is like. Mm-hmm. And it seems to me in this particular review, he's shut off from even, uh, from possibly even doing that. possibly empathizing with this character as another human. And he does it all the time in these kind of movies. If he weren't dead, I would wish him dead. Wow. I'm kidding. Um, I love Roger Ebert. But he had a similar sort of Deuce Bigelow situation as well, where he he was a little more sympathetic to that one because it was about a weird dude. And he was like, well, I'm a weird dude, so I can sort of empathize (laughs) with this or something. But here, he just shuts off. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of it is gender bias. Well, he famously adored Superbad. Yes. Um, which to me, I'm just like, come on, dude. Of if you can see it in Superbad, you've yeah. got to be able to see it in Superstar. But no, he didn't. <laughs> did he really adore Superbad? Yeah. yeah, he wrote a really glowing review. And I know this because my mom read the review and was like, I should see this film. It's so nostalgic for Roger Ebert. And she went and saw it and was like, what was this garbage? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I mean, it, it led to an uncomfortable conversation with my mom. And so it's burned into my mind. <laughs> I, think, I think that to... I mean, not that this is a, a, a podcast about Superbad versus Superstar, but I do yeah. think that uh, Superstar is very broad. Yeah. It is based on a sketch character. It's, I don't know what, what Roger Ebert's religious affiliations are, but it is it's sort of a mocking of, of the Catholic faith. Fair. So there's a bunch of things in there that could be baked into it. And I think that Superbad in sort of the Apatowian mold of things has a little bit more of sort of, first of all, the losers always get the girl, and my guess is that Roger Ebert probably liked that. And I also think that it's has a more overt heart to it and a more overt sort of 
emotional contingency, this film you have to you gotta want it a little bit more. And that that's I'm not making excuses for it. No, it's it's so simple. It's so simple. This is Superstar is a superior piece of art because <laughs> Superstar has subtext. And well, yeah. Superbad has none. Superbad, it's all on the page. It's 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 bro nostalgia. It's the the really dark reading of it is it's it's longing for a time when you can date rape. And the nicer read of the nicer read of it is two friends trying to figure it out. They're kind of in betweeners on the outside. Um, and you're going to, you're going to lose, miss your friends when you grow up. Like, but this movie is, this movie is about exactly what Roger Ebert said. It's about, it's about a weird, awkward loner who doesn't get it. And is, des- in our, my opinion, is deserving of our empathy. And I'm interested to find out how she got there. Yeah. And it's very clear on how she got there. And I'm and I'm interested to find out how she's over going how she's going to overcome it. I think it's I, I first of all I, I agree I don't have the same condemnation for super bad that you do, but I do think I that, don't hate it. I just I just do think that there is this really kind of dark strain of of like let's get the girls drunk and fuck them. I mean that certainly is there. I can't I can't dispute that. But uh, I think that with this, I think this movie is actually to your point a pretty loving tribute to weirdos. Yeah, which I mean is that's the kids in the hall in a nutshell. So it's, it's understandable why Bruce McCullough was drawn to it or, or ultimately did it. And, and I, yeah, I think that's maybe the thing that I take the most to heart from Ebert's review here is, is how, um, how he finds her sort of hurtful and cruel. Like I just, it's, it's, she, she's just, that could not be more the opposite of what this character is. Like this character is actually so embracing. It's like, she's a little weirded out by Slater, but short of that, she seems to be, she just wants to be friends with everybody. I just want to make one more point about Superbad. Should anyone ever hear this? <laughs> I do know that at the end of this movie that they learn their lesson. At the end of Superbad, they learn their lesson. That's not how you get girls. Cool get girls. I get way. it. But there is this element of like, it's open to the wrong reading. It's that good sure. is open to the like sure. being in the mafia is cool. That like you do have to at least acknowledge when you're watching that movie. Yeah. And I would I would also say too that it does feel like a oddly timeless movie. It doesn't seem to take place in any sort of time period. It, it clearly wants to be a movie from the seventies. Mm-hmm. Um, super bad or superstar? Super bad. bad. Superstar is also a little bit timeless. That's true too. But I, I think it's actually, I mean, does anyone else think it might be set in the sixties? Superstar? I mean, they have props that are straight out of the sixties. The bugles. Yeah, she eats a box of bugles. That's a sixty. I mean, she they have Volkswagen. I don't know. I didn't really and, think about it as a. I mean, I, this movie feels like it takes place outside of time and space. <laughs> I'm so, so I'm so into a movie that is set that is a period movie that never yeah. time stamps itself. Sure, I think it. I it actually think it might be set in the 60s, yeah. but I'm not sure. Like it The Incredibles does, is a period movie that never yes. time sets itself. Yeah. Totally. Time this, stamps itself. This yeah. definitely does. Ha- I mean, that's yeah, interesting. Certainly the Catholic school elements of it make it feel sort of timeless in some form or another. But yeah, I, I guess I don't, I didn't really think about it. The only reason it's not to be pedantic. Mm-hmm. She's referencing so many movies from that's true. later. Yeah, that's true. Oh, right. But there is this idea that it takes place in an alternate universe that does just get our TV movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Armageddon. <laughs> oh, I like that. Yeah. Armageddon oh, yeah. parody. I really enjoyed. And they do play everybody dance now. That's clearly not a 60s. That is not a 60s. <laughs> yeah, but, it, but I think to your point, it doesn't feel, it honestly doesn't feel like it takes place in any particular time period. Yeah. Similar to Superbad, where I think that 
ultimately, maybe it was a budgetary reason. I don't know. Or maybe it was just a studio being like, you can't make a movie that takes place in the 70s. They ultimately made a movie that basically takes place in the 70s without saying it. So, I, I mean, I think that's interesting. Um, Molly Shannon received a nomination for a Blockbuster Entertainment Award for favorite actress what for this is film. That? The Blockies. The Blockies. The Blockies. I mean, come on, who doesn't want? Uh, but <laughs> lost out to Heather Graham in Austin Powers, The Spy You Shagged Me, which is oh. crazy. Wow, Heather what a Graham prestigious is, award. Is a competitive, competitive year. I mean, it, was, it was hard. No shame. I, she, Heather Graham is really not good in, in we talked about that. Very she is, not good. She is the weakest part of that movie. And I, I actually quite like Heather Graham for the most part. Um, but yeah, the fact that, that, yeah, so there you go. It's a prestigious award. It's hard to get, guys. It's, mm-hmm. you, you can't buy it. You have to, like, you've got to... You could rent it. And we're not talking about a Hollywood <laughs> video <laughs> <might be> <laughs> Um. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that uh, this movie does sort of fit in a weird spot. Because as I was watching it, I, I found myself almost wishing it was slightly, like weirder or like grosser because they felt like we had sort of the Fairley brothers were sort of in their lane at that time and this film feels like it never fully goes for broke on that stuff it doesn't have the she's all that pubes on the pizza moment that you <sighs> that you crave. Like my least favorite part of she's all that <laughs> I guess maybe I don't know maybe I'm being reductive I just felt like there were moments where I felt like the film could have gone just a little farther I think it goes as far as Mary Catherine Gallagher would take oh, that's, it. Oh, that's fair. You know, yeah. she's not thinking about pubes on a pizza. As far as she goes, is a sweet ass makeup. Yeah, I mean, I think <laughs> the like close-ups of her tonguing a tree are like yeah. the exact level of far that I. That's want actually to that's go. fair, and I I <laughs> I don't know what this says about me, but those were some of my I'll favorite moments in the movie. Was when she was making out with the sign, the stop sign, and Absolutely. the tree. The tree. Because you're just like this is just a perfect encapsulation of this character, and and and. Honestly, it's why the sketches work, too. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, I don't know. It's so, like, the thing that you would never let anyone see you do when you're at home alone and you're a 14-year-old. Like, it's, I mean, it's on screen in close-up, and you're just like, oh, I hate that I see myself in that. How, old do, we, how old do we think she's supposed to be in this movie? It feels like... 15, 16? It feels like they play her as like 16, but I think emotionally, and maybe it's just because this is the age I was when I saw the movie, but emotionally I think she's 13 or 14. Okay. That's what I would guess. I don't know. It it does... Uh, James, you have thoughts on that? I would say 14, 15, yeah. Yeah. It it does feel like there's some arrested development going on a little bit, so she could potentially be older and, and just have not sort of... That's what it seemed like to me. There's a never-been-kissed quality to her. She I has mean, a, yeah. a, a, a grossy Josie sort it's of vibe. Like, uh, it's it's a really good movie. It really, I mean, it really is. It's it, it really surprised me in its own way. Um, it's I did yeah. I, I I didn't see it coming. I, I had this I sense that it like I, I had this sense that enough people like Molly would be like honestly, Superstar is pretty fucking important to me. Yeah, and like that that it wasn't just like some silly romp. That there was something else there. I think there is. I think, I think there is too. I, I think it's. I think it's a an legitimately interesting movie. I was. Uh, I was watching all the sketches to prepare for this, and and watching them, and uh, you know, the tone of the sketches, like you mentioned, is very different from yeah. the movie. And it's almost like this sort of like Lucille Ball on meth type situation <laughs> where she's like jumping through things, and you're like, how do they do this on live TV? This is yeah. like a serious stunt, you know. And then I was going from that to just turning on Superstar in the middle of it last night. And I turned it on to the scene where she's at the pool and she says, um, like, I hate the way I am. It's like twice in a row. And I was like, this is not what you would expect from the Mary Catherine Gallagher movie. Like, 
this is so such a different level. Well, I think that it's funny because in some of the stuff that I read, a lot of people felt like there wasn't enough here to make a movie. You know what I mean? That people felt like it's a sketch and, you know, as, and we need to talk SNL movies in it's, a second. It's a bad sketch. It's not opinion. a great, it's, it's fine. And it's a good movie. It's like, a good movie because she does what I think you're insinuating, which is she does a deep dive into yeah. the character. And she says, if we're going to do this, I want to sort of unpack her for all of her complexities and flaws and strengths and weaknesses. And that's what makes it a movie. If they had just done Catherine Mary Gallagher, I don't think it is actually. A movie. Or Mary Catherine Gallagher. Or that too. Yeah. Well, it's, it's clearly very autobiographical too. I mean, if you just even sure. read, you know, Molly Shannon's Wikipedia page, it's like, mm-hmm. oh shit, like this is basically her life. Yeah. It's pretty it's, it's, it is pretty, it's pretty amazing. Um, so let's talk to SNL movies for a second. Um, because Molly and James and I looked at sort of the list of the 12 or 15 um, SNL movies that exist. Uh, not a great list. No. We've uh, got some real, the biggest one that jumped out at us, the one that, that I forgot existed and, and I brought up to Rob before we turned on the mics too, but it's Pat. It's Pat. I knew you were going to yeah. say that. Is Ooh. the one that you're just like. You know how much I like that. So I knew you were gonna... <laughs> <laughs> I don't, have, you, I, have you seen it? No. Are you a fan? Who would ever watch that movie? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it either, but I know that it's bad. Like I know that it's, it should just never have been made. It's a, that's a dark period in American history. It's rough, man. <laughs> we're like, it's Pat. It's Pat was like a, a thing that you would call people who were like basically not basically not gender binary. Yeah. Like, uh, what the fuck was wrong with us? What was, like, what was and why was that funny? Like, why was? Yeah. So it's Pat's definitely the the lowest point, but um, there's a bunch of people, bunch of other movies hanging out there. I mean, I don't think a Night of the Roxbury is a particularly great movie. Also, a Molly Shannon film. Oh, that's right. She's in that. Too. She's the love interest. A lot of She's my fantastic. friends liked that when I was younger. I di- I never actually saw it, but like my friends right. would like throw lines back and forth about that movie. I don't know if that means anything. It's a romp. Yeah. I think that Rob made a very astute point uh, before you guys got here because we talked about SNL movies very briefly. Uh, Kenny was in the bathroom, and and Molly and James hadn't arrived here yet. <laughs> TMI. Uh, really teeing this up. <laughs> and, uh, and Rob said that. How old were you when you saw these movies? Um, I must have been. 11. Right. Yeah. And it, it was the first time, you know, he was still a kid and he wasn't really looking at movies with a particularly, you know, hard eye, but it was the first time where he was like, wow, that was bad. Like it was him recognizing a bad movie. The from SNL a good movie. movies. Yes. The SNL movies. Yeah. We're sort of, and Night of the Roxbury, I think was one of them where he was just like, oh, so this is what not good looks like. Yeah. Which I think is interesting. What um, else is on the list? What are the other, yeah, sorry, other let me, ones? Let me pull them up. Um, I, I, I think that the, the key to, um, those movies is uh, they were cheap and, and, and sort of Lauren Michaels looked at Wayne's world and was like, okay, so we can keep doing this. Um, they're, so it, the, the most successful film is Wayne's world without a doubt. Number critically two, and commercially, critically, commercially, number two, blues brothers, critically and commercially. But these, these are, those two are classics of American cinema. They sort of, they kind of are. Uh, then you got Wayne's world, Two, which is the third most successful. Then Superstar, Night of the Roxbury, Coneheads, Blues Brothers 2000. So all of these movies are terrible. Ladies Man. McGruber's fucking great. Some also, people, I'll say that Ladies Man has like its Ladies moments Man. as well. Yeah. I haven't seen Ladies Man. Oh, yeah, yeah. MacGruber is. MacGruber's a, a Stone Cold masterpiece. I wouldn't even, like, there's something. Obviously, it's an SNL movie, but, like, fine. Like, we're talking about a certain vintage with most of these movies. Yeah. And like the Will Forte thing yes. is just not of that. 
You know? Yeah. Then you've got Stuart saves his family. Which literally no one fucking remembers. And then it's Pat. Now, here's my question to you guys. How much money do you think it's Pat made? <sighs> Any amount of money is a crime. I, I mean, I, I'm just... This is an amazing number. They they don't say what the budget for It's Pat is, but I'm going to look it up. Did it make a million dollars? Um, hold on one second. I just need to look up It's Pat to see if uh, if I can find. Um, Li- it's oh, just, this is what happens on live radio. Films. Sorry, guys. Yeah. Uh, okay. So it had a budget of $8 million. Okay. And it made $60,000. <laughs> so maybe not such a dark period in American history. <laughs> We all knew to stay away. Exactly. $60,000. $60, in the 90s. That's like, that's impressive. I've had years where I've made more than $60,000. $60,000 in its entire run. Uh, I want to see what its opening gross is because that is just a shockingly low amount of money. It's shocking given that every blockbuster I ever remember going to had prominently a copy of It's Pat on a shelf. And yeah. I was like, never going to rent that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's Pat was marketed. Yeah. It's, it's Pat had like, a, it was a, it was released. It was like a fully like Paramount Pictures. Like put that up. Uh, movies that are going to be in one theater this weekend are going to make more than that. So it only opened in... Th- to its credit, it only opened in 33 cinemas. Still, that math is... With, with, <laughs> yeah, the first screen so, average. Got the first screen average. $52. Uh, $950. Holy shit. Good for America. I mean, just a rejection. It was a huge hit in Canada. Just a... <laughs> fuck you. Uh, opened on uh, August 26, 1994. Um, yeah, and, and it, it's... So the poster, too, is... It says the sex symbol of the '90s, and it is Pat behind a giant question mark. Yep. Let's talk about Superstar. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, but I, I think it's worth talking about just the SNL movies, just in terms of that they still get made. There's a lot of sort of adjacent SNL movies. I would say Deuce Bigelow is an Deuce Bigelow is adjacent mm-hmm. movie. Cookie Romano. Cookie Romano. Yeah. Uh, so stuff like that. So it is. It's interesting. It's an interesting sort of genre of movies. I mean, Mean Girls, some people would say is kind of, it's not an SNL movie, but Lauren Michaels produced it. Tina Fey, so, I believe was still on SNL when that movie got yeah. made. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Staten Island summer as well. Uh, from about two years ago, the Colin Jost movie. Yeah. We don't need to talk about okay. Staten Island. Summer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's I didn't even know there was another, a movie. Another day for another what podcast. What is Staten Island yeah, summer? Can we, can we, it's Colin Jost's autobiographical film about his summers as a lifeguard on Staten Island. It is stocked with SNL cast members, past and present. And um, I had no idea. Staten Island yeah. summer. It's There's a lot of heavy hitters swinging and missing. A lot of whiffing going yeah, on. That's so weird. Yeah, I didn't know there was a thing. Yeah. And there's something very sad about that to me too. Colin cashed his chips in a little early. I think they both did. Michael Che and him both kind of feels like they've. I mean, I don't know. I'm just saying, like if you're if you're trying to make an autobiographical movie, gotta wait till the time is right. It's a hard thing to pull off. I mean, Molly Shannon did with Superstar. Superstar. So well, Molly like, Shannon has an interesting biography. Colin so, Jost. So, I don't so, know what no, he's yeah. got. So what do we what do we know about Molly Shannon? Molly Shannon, um, half her family, her mom and sister and cousin, died in a car accident when she Oof. was four. That she was also in. Um, she was raised by her father who was an alcoholic who is much like the grandmother in this movie. I think he wore braces on his legs and she went to NYU to become a dramatic actress. 
did tons of monologues, obviously, (laughs) (laughs) as you can tell, and did one comedy show where she was this Mary Catherine Gallagher character and people thought it was funny. And she was like, I didn't really know what to do with that. So she moved to L.A. and um, wanted to be, again, a dramatic actress, but she ended up in like a Groundlings class or something. And turned out she was really good at it. But she's always said... She's a very good dramatic actress, though. She And she's mm-hmm. become an incredible dramatic actress, but she's always said that she finds her SNL characters, that, that she finds them to be very serious characters in terms of SNL. They take themselves very seriously. They approach things sort of like a dramatic character would. And I mean, this, other than Monica Lewinsky. Yeah, well, yeah, that's a whole other thing. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, no. Um, I guess the Mary Catherine Gallagher character was someone she was doing long before she was even on SNL. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, this is obviously very personal to her, it's this a, character. It's a tragedy that this movie wasn't taken more seriously. And yeah. I don't mean you shouldn't laugh at it, but I mean, like, just taken seriously as, as, a, as a piece of art, it's, it, particularly in light of the autobiography I did not know about. Yeah. Nor did I. Like, that is dark. I mean, her parents in this movie die in a horrible <laughs> dancing accident. Horrible dancing <laughs> accident. Irish step. A horrible step dancing accident. <laughs> but to, to, to kind of make re- truly, really kind of inspired comedy out of that backstory just bumped me up 10 points on yeah. my fucking yeah. 0 to 99. Yeah. Well, I think in all of her work, especially, you know, the stuff she's doing now, like other people, it feels like tragedy and comedy are one. You know? For her. Yeah, yes. for her. I mean, she she doesn't do one without the other in a way. And I, it's really cool. I think that I agree, I agree with that. I, I also feel as though I don't, and I don't I don't want to speak for everybody else, obviously, but it does, I, I don't take comedy as seriously as maybe I should. You know what I mean? When I'm watching something and it makes me laugh, I, I kind of am like, great, this made me laugh. And I don't think about, you know, the various pieces that are going into that, probably because I'm not a comedy writer. So I'm able to kind of have a distance from it. Um but it does feel like comedians are very, very sort of soulful, introspective people, and a lot of times it feels like there's a there's a void that's being filled by those laugh yeah. by those laughs. Every, oh, pretty so, much every time. So it's it is drug. it is very interesting, and like you even see it. I mean, bad comedians yeah. often make really good dramatic actors, and yeah. I, I look no further than Andrew Dice Clay in, in A Star Is Born right now, or Blue Jasmine. He's so good in those two perform in, in those two performances, and he's a fucking terrible comedian. He had his moments; so, people loved him in his moment. But he was, but, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, his shit was bad, and but his, yeah. but but it's very clear to me if you look at him now that it was always kind of masking something deep inside of him that he felt was inadequate. Sure. Um, and those two performances, I think, are brilliant. I hope he gets nominated for fucking best supporting actor for Star Wars. Born. But, I thought he was really good in a Star Wars. Born. He's yeah. one of. The, I mean. We've talked a little bit about Star Wars more. I have my issues with it, but overall, I liked it quite a bit, and I thought the performances were very strong. I mean, Sam Elliott's going to win, but I hope he also gets It nominated. does feel like Sam Elliott should oh, probably definitely. win. Yeah. Um, and, and Bradley Cooper for his impression of Sam Elliott. Yeah. Um, <laughs> fucking Jamie Foxx won for an impression, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, fair. Uh, so can we talk just very briefly about the Monica Lewinsky thing? Because Molly, Molly sent me some links I sent them to you, Kenny. You had seen them sure. previously. Yeah, they're famous. I, 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 when I rewatched them, or when I watched them, I had a vague recollection of them back in the day. But so it did kind of come back to me as I was watching them again. But it very sort of unsettling interpretation of of, and it made me think about. Uh, and Molly, we talked about this a little bit at work, but just sort of that idea of 
vilifying Monica Lewinsky and vilifying the the women involved in that scandal. Another dark period in our country's history. Absolutely. Where Bill gets a pass and all of this is all these tawdry things are because of these classless women that are involved in, in this scandal. Um, so yeah, not, not cool. Not yeah. great. I mean, I don't take too much issue with the portrayal of Linda Tripp, but like <laughs> John <laughs> Goodman the, is a very good Linda Tripp. The treatment of Monica on SNL is disturbing. Like in retrospect, when you go back, I, you know, just to say what we're specifically talking about, there was one that's um, Monica Lewinsky for Jenny Craig. And the joke of the entire sketch is that she is on a Jenny Craig plan that she and she just is so happy with it. And it's because she is only eating food that's shaped like dicks. <laughs> that is the whole joke of the sketch. That's so bad. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not great. I can't it's not even a great believe look. it was made. Yeah. Yeah. And then you've, I mean, there's, the, there's a three way phone call. Between Bill Clinton, Monica Lewinsky, and Saddam Hussein with Will Ferrell playing Saddam Hussein, which culturally is pretty insensitive. Um, that sketch to, I, is kind of fun. I, 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 I tend to give SNL a certain a certain pass sure. when it comes to that stuff that I don't give other other shows because you got you gotta do it. You can't you, you can't pretend that Saddam Hussein doesn't exist. And it's very hard on their short time period to nail that casting. Um, <laughs> like it was always a little, it was always a little awkward when Fred Armisen played Obama. Barack Obama. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's good that they eventually got rid of him and put Jay Farrow. Um, Who does a better impression of him well, I mean, as well. He was hired. Also, he, he was hired for that. Impression. To be honest, I'm not really worried about sensitivity to Saddam Hussein. There's <laughs> like another there that too. It's, No, but that's not what it is. <laughs> it does feel sure. like his Saddam Hussein is similar to the character he plays in Austin Powers. The uh, the guy who... Right, that one uh, I have more the, of a problem with. <laughs> <laughs> you could have found that guy. <laughs> True. But just it, the voice that he's yes. doing is yeah. very similar. Yeah. But uh, and then there's a third uh, Lewinsky sketch where it's uh, her calling up John Goodman, who I'm assuming was the guest of that week as Linda Tripp, and it's maybe her re- not. He I might have been doing was, that. Yeah, he might have just been doing it. That on call thing. Her recording, Linda Tripp recording her conversation with Monica. And the joke is that they're just both binge eating so hard because they're yeah. like larger women. I don't understand. I, I don't do. know. I don't really. It know. also. <laughs> I, I am. I'm. And, and I know that that SNL is is what it is, but I always feel like their sketches are just too goddamn long. Like they always go on too long. They're always a good like two minutes too long. And part of it is that I feel like why is SNL an hour and a half? But you know, this sketch with the Linda Tripp sketch goes on for a very long time. Yeah, it's a little too long. It's, I also speaking of long sketches, I watched the Mary Catherine Gallagher sketch, uh, the gang sketch with Gwyneth Paltrow. It's oh, so good. It's, it's great, great, but it's interminably long. I mean, I don't. I just don't have that problem with it, you know. Okay. I don't know. I, if you so go it's to, a, it's a great sketch. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess, I see what you're saying, but I, I don't know. I always, I always like the length of, you know, a good six minute sketch. You really get to get into some, you know. <laughs> yeah, my know. problem was always that they never knew how to end their sketch. Well, that's, that's true. true. It's impossible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you usually just have like some sort of newspaper headline. For yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, and he fell off a building, and yeah, that's the end, yeah, you know? That's yeah. all you need. That's yeah. the one where she... Um, Those are the best endings they have. <laughs> yeah, Molly Shannon's commitment to falling through all of the bathroom stalls oh, in that God. sketch is also pretty incredible. She's, yeah. I. But she really goes for it. Yeah. It's, it's funny, though, because talking about her as Monica Lewinsky, it's so 
such a different portrayal from all of her other characters. Like you can yeah. tell she's doing something entirely different as Monica Lewinsky. And yeah. I was trying to figure out like, what's her opinion of Monica Lewinsky? You know, like what has she ever said about Monica Lewinsky? And she really has not spoken about her yeah. ever. And I, you know, my assumption is that if you were to ask Molly Shannon today, what she thinks of Monica Lewinsky, she probably would not be thrilled with the portrayal and yeah. would probably be quite sensitive to it. I don't, you know, I don't know, that, but you know. that's the way everyone is today though. Yeah. Right. Like, Especially in light of what's happened in the last couple of years in this country. Sure. Um, there's been a reevaluation of how we handled this period. And everybody who's decent looks back and says, <laughs> Monica Lewinsky was done dirty, basically, right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, kind of also Bill Clinton was given a free pass. Oh, yeah. And we all fucked up and we all kind of, own, we all have to own that, like, by letting Bill Clinton get away with, like, blatant sexual harassment in the workplace— we opened the door for this Trump shit. Like we did. I, I, well, yeah, I, I, mean, I, I do. I, I, I feel that really acutely that like this whole, this whole thing that everyone just ignored that this is sexual harassment in the workplace uh, slash kind of sexual assault. Like um, I, I think we, we, we do own this Trump thing a little bit. Nobody was saying this in no. the fucking nineties. No. Nobody no. was saying like, let's go easy on Monica Lewinsky. No. Well, Cause they were just, I think that the, the media was just, quite frankly, salivating at the opportunity that was being presented to them of just, you knew you were going to get people watching. You knew you were going to get people buying newspapers or magazines. And, and it's, you know, the, the, the Kavanaugh hearings brought, obviously brought that all up too, for me, where I just sort of, it's, you know, but it's darker than that. It's, it's darker than that. It's, if you were on quote unquote, if there was a side of Monica Lewinsky, if you were on Monica Lewinsky's side, that means you're against Bill Clinton. And if you're against Bill Clinton, you are against the Democratic president. If you're against the Democratic president and you take him, if you're part of taking him down, if you're Gloria Steinem, Steinem and you are part of bringing down Bill Clinton. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. He's not getting you're not, you're not getting Al Gore in there next year, yeah. or you know someone even more exciting for for liberals. You're opening the door for a Bush or whoever it was at the time. I mean McCain or whatever. So or Bob Dole, Bob. Dole. We were all protecting our fucking asses and letting this girl be thrown under the bus. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I think we really have to think very. I think we have to think about that in terms of today. Like we handled, you know. Maybe the Al Franken thing wasn't handled perfectly by the liberal media and kind of the liberal, um, the liberals in government, but it's it's better to err on the side of like this guy has a bunch of uh, this guy has a bunch of incidents that are not befitting of someone of that office. Um, let's gently push him aside. Yeah, 
Um, I think maybe yeah. I'm crazy and maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. But yeah. like, I do think that that is the, the better way to handle these situations. And just like, if one of ours goes down, who the fuck cares? It's like, the, what's the moral bring high the ground. predators yeah. down. I agree. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, I was trying to think about like what it what it would be to be Molly Shannon in that moment. You know, mm -hmm. to yeah. be like the new new player on SNL who survived the cut. All these new cast members oh, yeah, around yeah. you. And you're going to be the person who plays yeah. Monica Lewinsky. What's that like? You know, I was, I was hoping she would speak on it at some point. I wish she would someday. She might. I mean, I think it's. I, I you know, it can, I can't help but think about the 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 spectrum of Kate McKinnon. You know, things that we have right now. Yeah. You know, the the Jeff Sessions and uh, uh, Kellyanne Conway and what have you. And it and it's. I, I would say it's easier, obviously, to vilify. Those people, because they're monsters, um, and, they're so, villains. and they're villains. Whereas in this situation, it's just a lot more complicated. Yeah, and I think that yeah, I'd be very curious to hear what Molly has to say about it. Yeah, let's talk about the plot of Superstar, <laughs> shall we? Sure. Yeah. Uh, so the movie opens with a very long credit sequence of synchronized swimming to the go -go's. Um, to the go I love that song of, chi of children's synchronized yes, yes, swimming. Yes, sure. Um, I don't. Fully know that I totally get the swimming thing. It yeah, it feels like a device to you it's know a get little her. Weird. It's you know brought back around with Slater, but yeah. it feels like maybe a studio note or something, right? Because <laughs> like, even, even when it does come back at the end, I was just sort of like, okay, I'll, I'll ride for it. Okay, a little bit. On it. It's more of a thematic thing than anything. Sure. Um, a lot of this superstar thing comes from this idea of old Hollywood. And kind of this weird bastardization of Hollywood and TV movies, which I which I really like. I really like that, like the Sibyls and the Boys in the Bubble of the world were the movies that like yeah. really made an impression yeah. on her. Yeah. But she got the screen kiss thing from a 1930s and 1940s movie. I don't remember what it was. Maybe I didn't know. Um, there's also a very kind of storied, forgotten history of synchronized swimming in film. Yeah. You know the whole Esther Williams thing, and a real dorky cinephile who likes a particular kind of like Busby Berkeley type of old musical Gene Kelly thing would also be nostalgic for that. Best I could do. What do you guys think? I like That's it. Good. No, I, buy it. I buy it. All yeah. right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Let's yeah. keep going. So when you bring that, you, you bring that into the real world and it looks really ridiculous. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Doing it. yeah. And like a public pool, which is kind of hilarious too. Yeah. Uh, so then in flashbacks, we see uh, Mary wants to make out with someone, basically, <laughs> and decides that the only way to do that is become a superstar. In my notes, when as soon as that was, like, stated, like, fucking thesis stated, mm -hmm. I wrote, this is a great premise, which is what <laughs> I think it is. It is, like, it a is. master class in just giving your character a goal, a goal right off the a bat. A mission. Yes. And it's, yeah. a, it's a funny goal, you know? Yes. And it's very relatable. Yeah. Yes, and it's yeah. not your typical, like, I mean, that's why I, I didn't really take real umbrage, but I took a little umbrage with that Google summary. Because it's not that she wants <laughs> Sky Corrigan. That's really not what this movie's about. She just wants, I mean, I think she that wants her fucking moment. She wants her moment. And it also feels like she just wants to be accepted. Like part of this too is like that, you know, kissing someone is a moment of acceptance and that they want to be with you. She wants to be with people. I don't know. I, I, I think that, I think she learns that over the course of the movie. Yeah. I think that's why it's good. But yeah. I think in the beginning, I, 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 I think sometimes we live our lives um, some people, and I, I'm, I'm guilty of this, or I certainly was as a younger person, of trying to hit certain milestones that I saw in movies. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, trying to make out to certain songs or trying to, um, you know, be certain places at certain times that were reminiscent 
of things I saw in the movies. I still do it today to some extent. Yeah. And it's not a great thing. No. It's not, that's not living your, your life, life in the moment. Trying to make your life into a movie is not healthy. You don't see this in movies a lot yeah. where, where people are so open about that, that that is a thing that, that sometimes we take our cues from popular culture and let it invade our lives so much that we actually forget that kissing, and mid-90s kind of does this too, actually. Kissing isn't about kissing. <laughs> kissing is about connection, Right. Um, and that's, I, I like that about this movie. And I think that's ultimately what this movie says is kissing isn't about kissing. It's about having a connection. I No, I agree with that. I think though, as kids or as teenagers, it's not that you're not aware of it anyway. Like it's, I, I mean, it, it feels like rites of passage or you want to be like everybody else. That's and, bad. And I, I, I yeah, know, but I'm that's just, what I'm I'm, as a kid, you, you don't have that perception. That's what mid nineties, mid nineties gets across, which is interesting. There's a scene in mid nineties where basically this kid who's the main character of the movie uh, has his first sexual experience and immediately after he's slapping guys five and whatever and the uh the subtext of the scene is like he's doing this for the for the social currency of it yeah he walks out of the bedroom where he and this girl are like fooling around and and walks right past her and rather than make eye contact with each other which which ring rings true to me. Yeah. But it's a bad thing. No, it's not. It's yeah. Just, it's, yeah. So then we cut to present day and Mary is on the front lawn of the school. Like it's 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 like a hero moment of her lifting her skirt up. The wind the is lawn. blowing yeah. her skirt up. Marilyn Monroe style. Is it? Yes. I thought yeah. she was lifting it. Doesn't even matter. He's the, the your your point is the right point. She's yes. it's just her it's her it's her reenacting a movie well, it's, right, it's right, letting right. you know this is a Mary Catherine Gallagher sketch because yeah. that's the that's trademark of, of the sketch is you will see her like disgusting <laughs> white underwear <laughs> and it's like welcome to the Mary Catherine Gallagher movie we're yeah. starting with underwear that's well, it's, fair it's the, the thing about the movie is like there you're saying it operates on two tracks you said that earlier I think it operates on two tracks too on one sense it's a greatest hits album and on the other sense, it's the coolest fucking concept album. And they're being played <laughs> simultaneously, right? But that's yeah. track one oh of the greatest God. hits album. Yeah. You will see so her quote unquote disgusting white underwear. I did not say it. I, I shouldn't have said disgusting. I don't think it's <laughs> disgusting. They're, they're it's not, just they're not like gross. Not they're just flattering. They're not flattering. When I, think, I think also in the sketches, they're hiding some sort of padding. So I think right. that they're like right. even more large. Bulky. Yeah. Uh, Mary tries out for every dance group at, at school. Because she just decides that that's how she's going to become a superstar. Um, there's one. I mean, this this whole sequence is pretty funny, but the the chairs bit is fucking amazing because it, it goes is. on for so long, and just the physical comedy of what she's doing, I just adore it. I think it's amazing. Um, then she's in the in the locker room with the girls, and they're all wearing. Very strange bras and underwear, like like Victoria's Secret. <laughs> well, I think they're sixties type. I think they're wearing like retro sort they're of. They're crazy. They look know. like yeah, they look crazy. Yeah. Uh, then Mary sees Sky Corrigan for the first time, played by Will Ferrell in the halls, and we realize that she's immediately in love with this guy. Um, he has and, a great line here. Oh, what's his line? He's just walking past all these people, like hey, hey. He goes, hey, Tom, saw your dad's dead. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Is Sky Corrigan, I'm real as you were talking about it, is he is he a MacGuffin? Could we consider him the MacGuffin of this oh, that's movie? That's interesting. He's a red herring. Yeah. Because yeah. you think you think those she are, wants Sky those Corrigan. Those are two different things. No, I, I yes, I understand. He's it's, more of a MacGuffin than a, MacGuffin a than a red, red herring, herring yeah. to me. Red hair. I mean he's I mean, I know a MacGuffin's usually dispensed of way earlier in the film and he sticks around for a very long time, but I don't know. His character that's an interesting way of looking at it, because his character is is <laughs> does not get 
a good ending. He's he is ultimately I don't want to say he's the villain, but he's not an effective character. Like his arc ultimately is not fulfilled, really. No. But but I think that's intentional. I don't think that that's a flaw. I think that you see this character who gets his wits about him, quote unquote, to to break up with Evian, then realizes that he's meant to be with Mary, only to be rejected by Mary. Is well, kind the movie of, knows what it's subversive. doing. It's playing in that '90s teen dream zone where you you think that this is where they're going, and it's not. So I don't know. I, I mean, I also like that he's not. He's it, at no point through the movie is he a a villain, a bad guy. He's not mean to Mary. No. He's not one of the, he's he's just some handsome. He's some handsome manic pixie dream boy. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's actually kind of nice to her sometimes. Yeah, like a lot of these characters are. You know, like in, in a lot of these movies, I think you expect the jock to be a jerk, but you have Freddie Prince and she's all that. And it ha- even Heath Ledger in 10 Things I Hate But You is never mean. Like th- those main guys are never bad guys. Um, we don't have many of those in 99, quite frankly. A lot of the male characters in our teen comedies, for the most part, seem to be pretty kind of rounded edges off of them. At least the, at least the, the ones we've covered the, thus the number far. one protects. Yeah. You know, you have the Paul Walkers and she's all that who are yeah. kind of the bad guys. But, yeah. yeah. Um, so we realize this guy is dating the most popular girl in school, girl in school named Evian. Who, who is, by the way, the Swayziest. <laughs> Go drink a bottle Go of yourself. Go drink a bottle <laughs> of yourself. <laughs> that was uh, the number one line I quoted from this movie as a, a child. And it doesn't make sense if you're it saying doesn't. it to anyone whose name isn't Evian. <laughs> <laughs> but I love that you tried. I know, I really did. Uh, Mary makes a friend in Karen who truly looks like a character that Mark McKinney would you mean have Helen? played. Is it Helen? Shit. Did Helen. I, I don't know why I said Karen. I, I mistyped that. Helen, who looks like a character Mark McKinney would have played on Kids, Kids in the Hall. She looks she exactly is... like I looked in 1999. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> yeah, like dead on. Wow. I need to see <laughs> those rough. photos. She should have been a bigger actor. She yeah. was great. Yeah. yeah, she was great. She she committed completely. She's the opposite of Will Ferrell. She never stopped being that character for half a second, and I loved her. She felt real. Yeah, mm-hmm. in a way that yes, Will's character never. Oh yeah, yeah, that's cool. So. Yeah, uh, we now get our first makeout session with the tree, and it's great. <laughs> and I kind of <laughs> wish it went on longer. They have a connection. <laughs> yeah, James, you have thoughts. Well, we did skip over one really great moment. Oh, sorry. Okay. It's where um, Mary Catherine's walking through the hallway and everyone's just lobbing insults at her, like Roger Ebert. All the Roger Eberts <laughs> of St. Monica's High School are lobbying. And she walks by and she gives him a little nod and she's like, what's like, up? Her- <laughs> <laughs> it would be a disservice to this film That's, not to yeah. mention that. It's a great That's moment. one of the more like Napoleon Dynamite moments of this movie. That's actually a very interesting allegory. Sort of to point to because there, there is some Napoleon Dynamite in this. Is a it a much bit. better movie? This is a better movie than Napoleon much. Dynamite. But I can, well, it's I can got see a lot more edge to it than Napoleon a lot more, Dynamite. A lot more, a lot more subtext. Um, yeah, it's just I think Napoleon Dynamite's a lot of fun, but it's all there. I'm just I'm not a Jared Hess fan. I don't think I've really liked any of his movies. Oh, well. Gentlemen. Just alienated our entire audience. <laughs> yeah, sorry guys, Jared has. We no, both like him, I think, Really? Right? Yeah. Gentlemen Broncos, really? I never saw that one, but I did recently very much enjoy Masterminds. I never saw Masterminds. Oh, man. Uh, no. So Mary yeah. Catherine Gallagher is then put in special education by the head priest played by Mark McKinney. I'm not really sure what... For not reasons my favorite that are unclear. Yeah. yeah. I'm not really... Although Mark McKinney does have a... One of my favorite 
bits in this movie. The toast? The toast, <laughs> the toast is fucking yeah, amazing. Yeah, no, I think I like that. Too. <laughs> That's like two minutes of just toast. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing. Um, so... The special ed class, the introduction to the yes. special ed class is the model of the solar system <laughs> where it's Earth revolving around the sun, <laughs> Jesus revolving around the Earth. <laughs> <laughs> it's a sun revolving around Earth, right? Earth revolving around the sun, Jesus revolving oh my around God. the Earth. That's yeah. good. It's amazing. Uh, what are our thoughts on the armpit bit? Because it's... I think it's gross, Here's and I don't fully get it. The armpit bit is... Good for you for bringing I, that up, Phil. Yeah. I was going to fucking ignore it, so go right ahead. I'm sorry. No, I'm with you, okay, man. Okay. It's disgusting to me, but <laughs> maybe maybe we can maybe we can find some, some really interesting reason it happens. I have no thoughts on it. I hate it. <laughs> you do have thoughts. Yeah. You hate it. It's, it's like a gross-out bit because they couldn't think of a funnier thing to do. Or does it have some sort of resonance that maybe we don't know about? Well, it is it is from a story from Molly Shannon's youth, but it is, I think, ultimately what makes any of this work in, like, middle America. You know, it's just, like, sort of right. such... It's, like, gross enough, but not that gross, and it's memorable enough, but not that memorable, and it's what made people remember Mary Catherine Gallagher, and it's the reason this movie was made and greenlit. Yeah. It's one of them. It definitely feels, I mean, here's what I'll say. I do think it's gross. I do think we all mostly agree. Molly, I'm not sure. I mean, how you I don't feel. like okay. it. Okay. <laughs> just to be clear. It's, it is gross, but it also, it is fucking weirdly iconic. I just, yeah. I, I guess I, when she does it, I just, her character is a high wire act in a lot of ways, right? It's it's very heightened. It's very kind of crazy and, and, and can be over the top. But even when she's making it with a tree, it's grounded in some sort of like, humanity and this bit is just the broadest grossest weird it just it feels a little incongruent to me but it is what it is she only does it like i think one other time in the movie but anyway uh eric slater his name's eric slater right uh definitely slater 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 enters the special education class and he's transferred there for for reasons i still don't fully understand he may have killed his parents Okay. That's the rumor. He's also notably older than everybody else. Like, I mean, everyone's clearly 30. <laughs> but he feels like an adult, whereas they don't. Yeah. I don't know how old he was when he made this movie. But I don't care. Mid-30s. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not against you it. Know, I know, I know, I know you don't either, but I don't care. Like, the, like I, I get the joke. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then uh, Mary sees that the school's having this talent contest against VD. I believe. Yeah, and yeah. if you win, you get to be in a movie with positive moral values. <laughs> right. An extra. <laughs> An extra. An extra. <laughs> Which, that's never fulfilled, is it? Am I crazy? Not on screen. Do we ever... It doesn't matter. It's okay. like she wins the I'm just making sure thing. that I didn't miss something. Yeah, it's amazing I mean, it wasn't a post credit sequence. That's kind of what have. I thought, too. I was like, just show her on set. Of like whatever hovering in the background, <laughs> some <laughs> terrible team movie. So would have been all shot. about that. That's so good. Uh, her grandmother won't let her enter the contest um, because we will later we will later learn that it's because of the talent that was in her in her uh, well family. As we learn, her parents were savagely ripped apart <laughs> by a school of hammerhead sharks it's and true. eaten. Yes, terrible. Were. As were Slater's parents, which is strange which is strangely coincidence. coincidental. But her parents did die in a tragic Irish step dancing 
someone bumped in, did someone bump into the record player or did they actually maliciously change the speed? It was a fat stomach. <laughs> a fat um, stomach. A fat okay, I wasn't belly sure. Might have been led the trip. Who knows? Bumped the record player and it sped <laughs> the record up and the step dancing became too furious yeah. and they fell. Yeah. And they were stomped to death before anyone yeah. could even stop step dancing. It's true. It was fast, too. The blood came fast. <laughs> At a very high pressure. Yeah. 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 It was amazing. Uh, we see that Mary works at a video store. She works in the back rewinding tapes. She's the, re- the, the rewind the, the girl. The rewind girl. Is, that's a sad that's a sad job. This movie is very funny. <laughs> like, it, it, just, it really is like it's very like little things like rewind girl want. That's not a job. I know. That's so funny. <laughs> that's great. That's like it's I, really I, I I do I think there's like as you go through this movie there are little jokes like like that or the eaten <laughs> ripped apart by hammerhead sharks mm-hmm. or, and even honestly even like it was knocked by a fat belly like. <laughs> A lot of people couldn't get away with that. Yeah. Um, but Molly Shannon can. Like, I trust her. I trust that her heart's in the right place, and she's just making a funny joke that sometimes fat belly's not thing. She <laughs> takes it so seriously. It's like a genuine personal tragedy. Their parents were eaten by hammerhead sharks, yeah. and you're like, oh, oh God. Shit. Yeah. I think there's also just, uh, in terms of the video store, the punctuation of the tapes being sent down this this yeah. slide or whatever it is. <laughs> Is also just like pathetic and sad and somehow finds ways to punctuate jokes that I'm just like, I just, I respect it. Very kids in the hall. Uh, Sky comes in and they bond over their mutual love of the boy in the plastic bubble, which is a deep cut. And I'm, 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 I'm sure there's some sort of theme to take away from it, but I don't know what it is. It's probably just that they wanted to do that monologue. Probably. I think that's what, for most Mary Catherine Gallagher sketches, it's just, yeah, Yeah. how can we get to this ridiculous monologue? They also put the, there is a little something there. (laughs) <laughs> the 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 scene the boy in the plastic bubble is like weirdly iconic in its own way. It's early John Travolta role, made for TV movie that kind of resonated. It's about this like thing that I think scares the shit out of people. This idea that like your child could be born without an immune system and it could have to live in a plastic bubble. Yeah. Like it's funny, but it, it's truly terrifying. It's also the you know it's also the premise for one of the great fucking Seinfeld episodes of all time too. Do you remember yeah, that one, yes, the Moops? Yes, yeah. And one of the great DJ Qualls movies of all time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, Bubble Boy. Bubble, was that DJ Qualls? Was that 99? I thought that was yeah. uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. I think it Bubble is Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh, God. DJ Qualls was in another movie like <laughs> Hold that. on a second. <laughs> I, think it was, I think it was Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal's definitely Bubble Boy. But DJ, DJ Qualls, Qualls, is he in Bubble Boy? Bubble Man. <laughs> I'm bubble sorry. Boy too? My, my Still apologies. Bubbling? No, I'm kidding. Still, Still, Still bubbling. Keep going and I'll, so, I'll find double, it. I think Boy in the Plastic Bubble. Bubble. Double. <laughs> Amazing. Well, his immune system was so I was bad. I was stumbling and then I just picked yeah. myself up. So, <laughs> oh my God. So not to, not to put too much into Boy in the Plastic Bubble, but there mm-hmm. is like something about, and that title, like to speak to James's earlier point about long titles, that title is so cumbersome. But um, like, when you could just say Bubble Boy, yeah. drop the the plastic. Yeah. Um, boy in the Plastic it's, Bubble. It's cleaner. It is. But uh, you also get that ridiculous screen kiss, the yeah. kiss through the bubble. Mm-hmm. It's great. Which it's great. there's just something about that ridiculous screen kiss that really speaks to what Molly Shannon is going through at that moment. Yeah. The themes I of agree. isolation, too, I guess. Oh, my God. Know? What a movie. <laughs> this, movie's, this movie's got layers, guys. What a podcast. <laughs> speaks to what you were saying, too, Kenny, that a kiss is about connection. It's not about whether it's a good kiss right. or a bad kiss. Or even a kiss. Or even a kiss. It's just about human connection, guys. Mm. Well, I think about that stuff a lot. I think about that stuff, mm. you know, if like, 
No, I don't think about this stuff a lot. <laughs> <laughs> just lied to our listeners. Well, just the idea. Yeah. Her is a great example, right? Her, I love her. Yeah, her's an amazing movie where obviously there's literally no physical interaction. Yeah. That ultimately, like, this thing that we do with another person um, is not about physical touching or intimacy. Or it, it is about intimacy. It's about emotional intimacy. And you can get it without ever seeing the person. Yep. So it isn't about kissing. And it isn't about... Touching, it's about connection. Cool. Uh, Tom Green shows up, makes fun of her in the cafeteria. Sky comes up to Mary. He saw her doing the robot outside the school and says, Let she, me tell you why they did. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that, that she has good moves, which then triggers a choreo- choreograph. Moves. Yep, that's what happens. Uh, and then there's a choreographed dance routine in the cafeteria to CNC Music Factory is going to make you sweat. Everybody dance now. And I loved it. No one, no one has ever called it that. What? Going to make title? it sweat. Everybody dance now. That's the name of the song. Oh, no, I know. It's called, everyone calls it Everybody Dance Now. I know. Well, what's great is that this was back. We talked about this, I think, at work, yeah. about how the parentheses in song titles has gone away. <laughs> That you don't really have that as much anymore. Is that true? Like this song would just be called Everybody Dance Now today. I'm not sure that it would be called Gonna Make You Sweat, parentheses, Everybody Dance yeah, Now. I love parentheses. <laughs> they were just like, we're going to call it Gonna Make You Sweat. And the record label was like, guys, can we compromise? <laughs> I think there was another song called Everybody Dance Now. Oh, maybe so. Oh, that's and it was like an antiquated DJ reference system. <laughs> that's yeah. I I thought I loved this moment. I'm not going to lie. Do I thought it was I thought it was a blast. Was it? Is it straight up just making fun of she's all that? Do you think that's what they're doing here? It couldn't be. It, it couldn't be. It they could came be. out like no. nine months apart. Maybe. Well, I guess yeah. I guess it could be. I guess it could be. It maybe. seems highly unlikely that all of that came together in the nine months. That's of, fair. Yeah, but. It could be making... It's possible. Do you, do you guys know how big that song was when it came out? It's the best. Everybody Dance Now? Yes. This was the Macarena. This was... It's yeah. a great song. This was... Okay. This was... But it it's was... a fun song. It was enormous. It was like one... It was like, hey, yeah. It was one of those songs sure. that took over a year of our lives. Did CNC Moose Factory have any other hits? They had a... Uh, they had a make, Play That Funky Music White Boy cover that uh, became a thing. And I... Look, I had the album. I've, so, I, I, I had the cassette. There was an album. Was that, I had the Rob, cassette. They have one other big hit. I got the power. Of oh, course. Yeah, that's, of course. course. that's a good song. That's a big song. Too. That one's a classic. Those are two big songs. Yeah. yeah. They had it here. Yeah. I wonder who the C and the C are. I mean, <laughs> I think it was Carlos and Charlie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it's obvious. Yeah. Uh, so then... I just, uh, I just love the idea that they transitioned their business. <laughs> like they took, they took yeah. everybody that's out of money, started a, started a couple of... you got to pivot. <laughs> cantinas in, in uh, Guadalajara. <laughs> so now Mark McKinney eats toast for two minutes, and it's amazing. Yeah. Uh, oh, God. It's amazing. Uh, then Jesus shows up, also played by Will Ferrell, in a hallucination. Um, Carlos and Charlie. <laughs> But I'm not really sure, like, to what point he really serves, other than, like, he's kind of a Jiminy Cricket character, I guess. Yeah. Serves no point. He's funny, it's but, like, to it's, be funny. it's just kind of there. It's the, it's the, it's like. It's a little padded. Yeah. It's, um, when you, I mean, like, when you make a, a movie based on an SNL character, a character that's already done a lot of their shit, you do kind of need to have it be, like, the. Biggest, best, craziest version of it. Mm-hmm. When we do South Park, South Park's a perfect example of 
taking what they do and raising it up about 10 levels. And this does feel a little bit like, all right, we need some, we need to throw some, some shit against the wall here. So it's a movie about Catholicism. We need Jesus. Yeah. I, I, it feels like, like the, the transgressive yeah. movie puts Jesus in there in some yeah. form. It's like, obviously Jesus has to show up at some point. And yeah. we have to take the piss yeah. out of Jesus a yeah. little bit. But um, to I me, it to me, it's not particularly funny, but that's because I guess I don't feel Will Ferrell as much as the rest of the world. I mean, I do like oh, the concept that Jesus is an amalgamation of like male father figures and love interests in your life. Are you Catholic? I was baptized Catholic, but I'm not. All right, I'm Jewish, so like this doesn't mean anything to you. <laughs> or me for that matter. That's fair. That's but, fair. But I do. I mean, no. I, but I'm interested. I like. I yeah. just like. I'm interested in. This is so stupid. Like your relationship with Jesus. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm. I'm not. I wasn't Catholic past like age four, but I think you know you hear a lot about Jesus growing up, and you sort of have your own version of him. And to me, that's funny that it would be like your high school crush meets your principal is like what Jesus would. Appear <laughs> I think there's. I, it's funny that you'd say that because I guess I guess I've thought about this in the past, but never, never maybe articulated it. But that like Jesus is. I can't even believe I'm saying this because this is obviously not a podcast about Jesus, but I do think that the interpretation of it, that, that he is a figure that everyone sort of can turn into whatever they want to turn it into. Um, which is why obviously religion is so effective, but yeah, I guess you just sort of, people have like this version of what he looks like, which in and of itself is sort of a little bit silly. It's a fiction. Whatever we think Jesus, no one would, he wouldn't have looked like that and any number of things, but it, it, I do think that to your point that Mary's version of Jesus is is funny and 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 sort of uh, her hype man. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> a good way of putting Which it. Which I think is kind of great. I guess I, I wish that he had been like you're saying with uh, talking about Will Ferrell's performance. That I wish he'd been a little more quirky in the vein of Mary Catherine Gallagher. Exactly. Like he doesn't yes. totally feel like he is a creation of her mind. He feels totally. like he's an SNL. That's character. fair. It's 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 a better idea on the page than I think it was in execution. Mm-hmm. So um, then Mary's grandmother tells her about the unfortunate death of her parents, and we see the stuff we were talking about earlier. Sky and Evian break up, which is great that they break up. The way they break up, where he calls her on the phone, oh, yeah. and he's like, "We need to talk." And she's like, all right, let's talk. And he's like, I'm very busy. <laughs> and then the next day at school, he's like, we talked about this. Which very, is fantastic. Very accurate to my own 1999 <laughs> dating experience. Did you break up with someone that way too? It was a limited dating experience, but I am still technically dating my girlfriend from 1999 <laughs> because she would not return my phone calls to actually <laughs> to break, to up, break with up with her I after that. she was seen holding hands with a rollerblader in the hallway. Oh, shit. She yeah. broke your heart. Katie Ford. What was her name? I whispered it for a reason. <laughs> the microphone picked I it up. I heard it. Um, we'll sweeten that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, I, I did also appreciate. I, I actually think that, that Evian and Sky's breakup is the best part of Sky's character. Like you get, to, I, I think that it works the best because they work. They're playing at the same level of sort of purposity. Uh, yeah. Yep. You nailed it. Uh, and. Uh, what was the word used? Preposity? Propo- like to be preposterous? Preposterousness? Got it. And it doesn't matter. We'll check out. You that. understood my. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that they're both playing at the same level. So when they're breaking up and when they're in scenes together, that works for me more so than when she, when he's working, when he's uh, playing off of Mary. But the breakup's great. Him calling her up and saying, I can't talk is great. <laughs> and he has like a wine glass full of orange yeah. juice. 
it's, it's very. But when she comes great. over to his house, see, I think when when Evian comes well, over to yes, his house is also is fantastic. The and best the mom sky moment. That's pretty. Funny. The mom stuff too yeah, is great. Where he's it's, wandering it's, past in his pajamas yeah. and in the middle of a fancy dinner party. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's great. Um, then we have the Armageddon parody, which. Kind of sticks out like a sore thumb, but I still really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it because she wouldn't let go of him. Like that she like was just latched onto him and him screaming, get off of me, get off of me. I don't know. I just enjoyed it. I also like that scene in Armageddon. Uh, I don't really love Armageddon, as Kenny can attest, but there are, the, there are parts of it. And that, for whatever reason, is one of the scenes I like. I think I feel the exact same way you do about Armageddon, except I love it. <laughs> no, so I, think, yeah, don't. I, think, I think we could. I think we could literally write the same review of that movie. But from completely different perspectives, I, I would end up be like three and a half stars. And you'd be like one and a half stars, but it would be the same. Text. <laughs> I might give it more than one and a half stars. I think the Liv Tyler Ben Affleck stuff is my favorite part of that movie because I'm a big. But I, I don't know. I just love the way I I, I I love the way Michael Bay directs that movie. I think it's. I, I think there's this weird like within kind an of, inch of its life. Yeah, this wild urgency <laughs> to it, and like this wild crazy urgency to it. I love the yeah. Billy Bob Thornton stuff. I love the dopes on the fucking rig. Like I think they're just. I think it's, it's just, so bloated. Yes. But that's, I, it's that's, so dripping with like yeah. every, like everything he does is just dripping with like, this is how you should yeah. feel now. This is how you should feel now. <laughs> I mean, it is the, it is the quintessential. I mean, if you, if you were to give a Michael Bay movie to aliens, that's the one you give them because, <laughs> want, yeah. because I feel as though, and not that this is a, a podcast about Michael Bay, but I think that that movie, he could never do a movie better than that. Because he could, there's nothing bigger than that. Like he, Michael Bay is like the earth, like the, he, everything. Like he's just, it needs to be, you know what I mean? So like, it's just yeah. done. It's like, he can't, he's not. But well, we all agree The Rock is a masterpiece, right? The Rock's a better movie, but Armageddon is just his pinnacle. So we don't agree. No, I, I think the Do you guys think it's the masterpiece? Uh, guys, it's been way too long since I saw these movies, and I have actively tried not to watch them again. It's fair. <laughs> I'll we'll be back on. But we'll, we'll talk about we'll talk about that. Yeah. Uh, Can Mary you talks. We don't get a Michael Bay movie this year. Yeah, it's a it's a real travesty. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Mary talks and makes out with a stop sign. <laughs> <laughs> Just segueing Natural back segue. in. Yeah. <laughs> and then Slater sees her do this and follows her with on his motorbike. A motorbike? That's a motorcycle, Motorcycle, man. sorry. But what's great about it, and it's one of the things that I love about the Slater-Mary stuff, is that like he's the only person she judges. Mm-hmm. He's the only person that she's like, you're too weird for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which because is why he, she loves him because you know he's I mean? scary. Like I, yeah, he's the a other. Little, yeah, yeah, a little more, a little bit more credit to her. She's not being mean or rude. Mm-hmm. That guy might have killed his parents. Yeah, and he, he carries a, a knife, yeah. <laughs> an unsheathed blade. <laughs> I love the that guy might have killed his parents. So it's not unjustified <laughs> that she's weirded out by him. Uh, Mary auditions for the talent contest. Uh, Right? This is where she auditions for it? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Uh, Evian, yeah, Evian drops a, a, the, the bucket of paint on her, and we got the whole carry mm-hmm. illusion. Why do you guys think it was blue paint, not red paint? I don't know. That was an interesting choice. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure. Maybe they just didn't want to totally be Rip it full carry. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Uh, Mary runs out of the school to Sister Christian. and uh, Love that. Yeah, and, and jumps on Slater's motorcycle with him. Motorbicle. Motorbicle. <laughs> uh, Mary and Slater go to a pool. They do the whole pool 
callback. Mm-hmm. Best line of the movie. Yeah. When she says, I don't love myself or I, yeah. I don't like myself. Um, yeah. It's, I hate the way I am. Yeah. It's, I hate, yeah. I hate the way I am. Yeah. Oof. That's, that cuts deep. Well, at first she says, can I ask you a question? Do you think I'm pretty? And he pauses and then she just cuts him off and says, because sometimes I hate the way I am. Oof. And then they're like, let's go swimming. <laughs> so like, And he almost drowns. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm sure there have been movies like this before, but a lot of movies in the last like 10 years. Edge of 17, uh, the, the, the movie, the woman who just directed um, the Melissa McCarthy movie. Had a movie before. Diary, oh yeah, Mar- Diary, uh, Diary, I love that movie. Diary of a Teenage Girl. Di- Diary of a Teenage Girl. Uh, Mary yeah. Yes, a lot of movies yeah, are dealing great. with this exact idea. Just great. Head on. Yeah. Right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lady Bird sort I, of a little bit. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if she has herself the same way, but still, it's like this this idea of like I'm not good enough. Yeah. Right. It, it's amazing to me that this idea was was explicit in this movie yeah. and no one fucking knows or that it's taken as long as it has for us to be dealing with this head on. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? This, the insecurity of, of teenage girls and mm-hmm. just insecurity of being a teenager in general feels like, I, I don't know. I, I guess they, they, I guess studios felt like empowerment or like some sort of a, a ideal was better than realism. Yeah. But it also perpetuates those insecurities because you don't look like those people on the screen. And also weren't a lot of women in the position yeah. to green light these kind of movies. For sure. Yeah. And you almost had to Trojan horse it in to, to SNL. SNL movie. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, this is a movie directed by a man, written by a man, but it, it has a clearly female voice, yeah. which is interesting and impressive. You know, I don't, maybe it just came from Molly Shannon. I was going to say a testament maybe to. maybe those guys were able to channel it. For know. sure. Yeah. If, I mean, this this feels like Molly's baby. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and it feels hopefully like she was in the driver's seat for some of it or most of it. Uh, Mary's grandmother trains Mary for the talent contest and brings the rest of the special yeah. education uh, kids in. Well, I just want to make one, one more point yeah. about this. I don't, because, because, because I do think it's like incredible and kind of revolutionary. It's also an argument for, um, as a writer in your screenplay, it's not such a bad move to fucking state your thesis. It's not like, mm-hmm. it's, it's like, I think we're, we're so often we're like too cute about it. Mm-hmm. Like hiding the ball, hiding what your movie's actually about. Like, especially in a movie like this, that is not overwrought with drama. Yeah. It's not such a bad thing to just be like, Pull back the layer for one second. Say exactly what you feel. Mm-hmm. Put the put it back on right after. But it that that gives it a gravitas and a grounding that you wouldn't have otherwise. Like frankly, like, and I, I don't mean to like compare it to Deuce Bigelow, but like Deuce Bigelow could have could have benefited from this. Oh move. my god! Yeah, if he came out and he said he had said something something to the effect of like, um, you know, I think that movie is about a. a something very similar to what this movie is about, which is this idea of like sexual inadequacy, right? I'm not good enough. I don't think I'm good enough for most women. Like, I, I don't know why anyone would love me. If he came out and said that, like, I think that would be this moment in the middle of the movie where you're just like, holy shit. I yeah. agree with you. So, I, to- I mean, that, that's, I think also these movies give you cover to do that. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I think that when you're in a broad comedy, you can say things that you can't say in other comedies or obviously in dramas. Mm-hmm. You have to have more subtext. And in a situation like this, you should embrace it. This is know? why um, this this thing we're talking about is why The Office is a step above almost every other network sitcom. Mm-hmm. Because there would be moments every three, four, five episodes where Michael Scott would just come out and be like, 
am I like a terrible person? Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Or like, what, or like, what did I just do? Like, yeah. how did I treat people that way? Yeah. Um, so, so now we're back at the talent show. Sky and Evian are doing a dance routine. Um, Wait, we missed the best part of the movie, which is where the she, training sequence. No, where she makes her boobs talk to each other. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe Sorry, we could just totally gloss it. over. Oh, this so is good. the mama, and this is the baby, and sometimes they hold hands. Oh. <laughs> anyway, I just want to make sure that that was yeah, committed to I, a recording. I should have. I really. How did I? How did I not? I like that. That's I'm sorry. Male, that's a male case it's a male, right there. It's a male case. I apologize. <laughs> Uh, right, then, the then they do the, the dance routine of the talent show. Um, Mary f- then Mary does hers, and she falls during the routine because the record player is also sped up. Is that done intentionally, fat or belly. is that also yeah. a fat belly it's, situation? No, it's, uh, it's not a fat belly. But it's, <laughs> nor is it intentional. Weird. It's a nun that knocks it. I believe. Okay. Um, um, so it's just fate. But it's I, that we were talking about that in the car on the way over. Like when that happens, I mean, it's such a dumb little thing. But when it happens, you're actually like, "Oh shit!" Yes, you are. Yeah, yeah. Like, you're, you're actually scared for her. You are. You're, yeah. Her her parents died <laughs> in a dancer team that got out of hand. Yeah. Like, what's going to happen? Yeah. It's, it's moments like that where I start to get really insecure as a writer. Where I'm like, "Oh man, I should make sure I do that shit." My like, I yeah. should make like that's a perfect. That's a perfect. Um, Device. Callback. What's yeah. it called? It's a perfect. Device. Well, yeah, no, it's it's a it's a plant plant and payoff. It's a perfect plant and payoff. It really is. And it's just it, it almost bothers me that a movie like Superstar just like has that in a way that I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's also extremely yeah. silly, you know. Yeah. Like, you, but it's structure, but it works. It's yeah. structurally sound. It yeah. totally like, works. Yeah. Uh, so she falls, but she sees Jesus who. Gives her the the courage to stand back up, finish the routine, uh, and then win the contest. Sky and Mary kiss, but it sucks. <laughs> and, she, and she doesn't like it. Uh, and then she makes out with Slater, who just back to back, back to back, just basically back to back, back, to back I mean, sessions. Swap and spit. Yeah, I think you know when you start this movie, you're like, well, she'll kiss someone by the end, but you don't know she's going to kiss two guys right in a row. Right in a row. I mean, talk yeah. about wish fulfillment. That's what the nuns always warn warn about. Keep going and going. Yeah. And then you know, and they end on the, on a high note with her making out with the tree last one last time and breaking up with the tree. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they they ended. I mean. It's perfect. It just, comes full circle. Yeah, she's just like, I just, yeah. It's it's great. It's and great. Brilliant bit of casting. The nun who keeps <laughs> catching her. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where they found that person. <laughs> I thought That's you were going to say that oak tree they found. I yeah. mean, like. I thought you were going to say the yeah. tree, too. Well, it does. But, that tree, the way they frame that tree shot. I wonder, James. Well, you guys all just saw this for the first time. When yeah. you first saw that shot at the beginning of the movie, did you think there was someone standing on the other side of the tree? Or were you immediately like, she's going to make out with the tree? No, I knew she was going to make out with okay. the tree. I thought she was going to make out with the yeah. tree. I know, I, know, I know Mary. <laughs> okay. You knew what you were getting into. I was teed up for it because the day before I watched it, Phil was talking about the movie, and he said, I wanted a whole lot more of her making out with that tree. True, true story, guys. I mean. I just, it's, it, I don't know. It's, it's great. It's the simplicity of it. It's just great. Uh, let's rate this. This is a good movie. This is a good movie. And this is a good podcast. This was a great podcast. Guys, I can't believe that I just walked into a room <laughs> Full of people who agreed that Superstar is a valuable movie yeah. and not a waste of time. Like, I can't even tell you how validating this has been to me. Well, yeah. I have 52 podcasts under my belt. <laughs> and many times someone walks into the room with a movie they love. 
and, and it does not, and it does, <laughs> and it does not go well. So this is I have been this is 100% about. genuine. I really think this movie is a valuable piece of I'm cinema. curious as to the next episode we record if that's going to be a similar situation. Well, I, I don't know. We'll see. I don't know. I, I'm not angry about that movie. I just okay. like, I don't, I don't really understand it. But Can really? We, okay. Yes, no, please, James. Possibly make a date to come back here in 15 or so years. Let's talk about Super Sur again. And talk about Staten Island Summer. Because uh, I think we <laughs> sort of... Oh, you, think we, you think that's going to be the superstar of, of 2018? We, we can, I feel badly about how we've been treating Staten Island I, Summer. I didn't even know it existed. We can bonus episode that whenever you want. Oh, dude. We don't, you want, I don't need to do that. <laughs> if I wish you could see Molly's face, she's like, can I leave now? No, you want to talk about lowest rated all-time episodes. Okay. Sorry, Jost. <laughs> Um, does anyone want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. Oh, um, so there's as two guys, ways to jump into a pool, you know. You yeah, can no, I'm, dip just, your toe I'm, in, just, I'm jumping right you in. Can jump right in. Yeah. Um, so zero to ninety nine. As I explained to you guys before we went on mic, you understand the rules of what this is. So okay. Um, had not seen this film in ninety nine, so I have no perspective on it from then. Watched this film. I don't know. Whenever it was a week ago. Uh, before this podcast, I'd probably give it a sixty five. Um. I thought it was, I, I liked it. I thought it was good. Um, I, I think I understood why Molly loved it so much. Um, but it wasn't until we all sat down and started talking about it. I, I think I give this film now, I give it a 72. Um, I, I think it's, uh, it's much better than it has any right to be. Uh, much better than I expected it to be. Um, and this conversation has given me even more um, respect for it. Anybody else? Anyone want to go next? Um, I didn't see it in 99. Um, yeah. Saw it about a week ago for the first time. I think I would have given it like low 80s at that point. Oh, but, wow. Okay. Um, I, I'm going to push it to 91. <laughs> wow. That's cool. That's cool. <laughs> I'm into it. That's cool. That's, I mean, that's like, that's, that's just cool. I don't know what to say. <laughs> I like it. Molly, I'll go unless you want to go. Uh, you go. We'll, we'll go around uh, the circle. I, um, uh, I'm a little embarrassed to say. Well, I'm not embarrassed. I never saw it before. I mean, give me a break. But I'm a little embarrassed <laughs> to say that that, uh, that that I gave it a 60 on the on the first watch, and yeah. I thought that that was about 30, 30 points higher than I expected to give it. So I thought that was like a you know, yeah. uh, look at me, look how look, look how great I am, like going against the grain. Um, and I'll say what I, I'll, I'll read what I said. I, I wrote something with it. I said. Uh, First of all, I said, why isn't this considered a great SNL movie? Which is what I like. But again, the, you know, there's Wayne's World, there's Blue Brothers, and then the next, like, there's, this should be in that list to me, clearly. But I said, I think maybe because there's an air of try hard, which there is. Mm -hmm. We didn't discuss this, but Mm -hmm. it does feel that. Yeah. And then the sense that some of the actors, Will Ferrell, aren't taking it seriously. And it's hard to love a movie that doesn't really love itself. The movie does love itself. Right? The movie does. It's just Will Ferrell that doesn't. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm bumping it all the way up to 78. Um, and the only reason it's not higher is because of Will Ferrell. I think he does hurt the movie immeasurably. Mm-hmm. Actually, I measured it. 22 points. <laughs> <laughs> 21, po- 21 points from 99. Yeah. But the, uh, everything else about this movie is really fantastic. Guys, I could not be happier <laughs> right now. Um, I, when I saw this movie in 1999, I would have given it a 99. <laughs> That's good. Um, I mean, favorite movie of the year, probably just over obsessed with it. Um, Supermodel documentary hour. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was so good. We didn't even mention yeah, that. That was a great. That, yeah, yeah. yeah. that's great. 
And the next day, I am in New York on the cover of Vogue. Anyway, <laughs> um, sorry, I'll stop. I, before, so when I rewatched it this week, I was like, okay, I think this is like maybe more like a 75. And then after talking about it with all of you, I'm going to put it back up at like maybe like an 88. I feel That's good fair. about it. That's yeah. good. Yeah. I mean, we, yeah. Definitely I think we, expected we all... James to be the highest. So <laughs> I, I kind of did actually. I feel like coming into this, I was like, James really loved this movie. Yeah. You, I was so surprised. I honestly thought, I mean, and I know James's taste very well. I thought you'd watch it and be like, yeah, it's dumb. But you came in and you were like, I loved it. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff going on with it. There is a lot of stuff going on with it. Yeah. It's like, it's I'm a guy cool. that if I'm, we talked about this earlier, but like if my food mixes on the plate, mm. I'm fine with it. Yeah, You'll get too. a couple weird bites. But like, yeah, the peas go with the applesauce. <laughs> That's this movie. It's some song. peas and some applesauce. Oh sometimes some pure <laughs> bites of applesauce. Sometimes some pure bites of peas. Sometimes You'll get some weird bites. A get, mix. Yeah. We got some weird bites. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, what can, what can we say? This was, this, uh, is, this was great. This, is one this of was the, fantastic. These are, these are my favorite podcasts. Yeah. These weird fucking... <laughs> Movies that I expect nothing of. And turn out um, to be like really be, rich. Yeah, and it's really, really rich. This goes in the TV category of surprising uh, super successes. And I'm glad we started the first, the next wave of 52 with it. Oh, yeah. It was an obvious it's, choice. It's, it's <laughs> <laughs> so obvious. Yeah. Um, thank you guys for being here. Uh, you're both on, you're on, tw- you're both, you're not on Twitter. No. You're kind of not really. Yeah, no. Yeah, no, they don't really do social media, right? You guys are not. No, no one wants to. Leaders. No one wants to. No. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, they're, they're in their mid fifties. So of course they will. <laughs> it's true. If you guys could see them yes, right now. Old people. <laughs> so old. Um, <laughs> they, can't even, they can't even turn the computer on. <laughs> Next week, we are doing October Sky mm-hmm. with, with Carrie Cologley. I don't hate this movie. Okay. All right. I just like. I didn't really know what to expect. Mm-hmm. I was not excited about this movie. And I actually really liked it. And it might have made me cry. Oh. That's great. Has oh, it, wow. The, I don't want to insult anybody. I mean, it has there ever been a more Middleborough movie? And, and you know the way I feel about Middleborough. Like, it, 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 like some of the best movies can be these Middleborough movies, like Sixth Sense. Right. But like, it's just, there's just... N- it's this artistry versus craftsmanship, craftsmanship idea. Um, and this is a well-crafted movie yeah. with very little saying. artistry. I know what you're saying. So I don't, I mean, I, I, yeah, we'll get into this in the episode, but I think it's, I, I think it's, and, and we say this a lot, they don't make movies like this anymore. No. And, but they did in 99 a lot. They did in 99 a lot. And some of them were better than others. And there's a whole kind of spectrum of those middle of the road kind of mid budget movies um, from filmmakers similar to Joe Johnson that are just sort of slightly above average. But I, I don't know. This one kind of worked for me. I think it's well cast. I think it's, it's well shot. I, I don't know. Have it, you guys ever seen this movie? No, Have I you remember ever heard of this movie? Um, like a high school science teacher threatening to make my class watch it. <laughs> <laughs> and her feeling relieved when he did not. Yeah. Yeah. I have talked about it a lot with your guest, Carrie Galogli. Mm-hmm. So I'll be very interested to hear your conversation. Uh, yes. I think, I, I mean, I, I'm excited. Carrie's a, an executive at AMC, that's the network. And this was when she, when I asked her if she wanted to be on the podcast, this was, I believe, the first movie she asked to cover. Um, so I'll be I very curious see, to hear I can on. see how this movie could be very important to a person. 
If you see this movie at the right time in your life and you have a particular relationship with people in your life and the subject matter kind of means something to you. One also just like the, 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 the coming of age quality of it as well. Like I feel like coming of age movies, maybe more so than any other genre, if they hit you at the right time in your life, the subject matter almost is secondary to the fact that like the feeling that it, that it gives you. As always, I will approach this with an open mind. Because my mind is pretty much blank when it comes to this movie. <laughs> Great. Well, Tune in uh, next week. If we're hyping it up, I just want to say I could listen to Carrie Gologly talk about anything. <laughs> Carrie Gologly's great. Anything. That's cool. It it's going to be. It's going to be really fun. And yeah. she's yes, I, she's one of my favorite people. So she's great. All right, fantastic. Uh, I'm at PM Miskov on Instagram and on Twitter. We're at podcast like 1999 on Twitter. Please rate, review, subscribe. Kenny's at Nybart. And next week, October Sky. Thanks. Superstar. <laughs> Had to do it. Podcast like it. Just podcast like it. Podcast like it's 1999. Podcast like it. You wanna podcast like it? Podcast like it's 1999. Podcast like it. Just podcast like it. Podcast like it's 1999. Podcast like it. You wanna podcast like it? 1999 Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.